host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everybody? This is episode 59 of the OCR Underground Show. I am your host, Mike Diebler. As always, thanks for joining me to learn some great resources for smarter OCR training. In this episode, we're going to talk about pain versus the source of pain. We're going to get into recovery and talk about some research on how to improve and enhance your recovery. And then I have a special guest on today, and we're going to talk about how to fit in training when you're busy and just can't seem to to find the time to to squeeze it all in there. If you want to check out the show notes, uh, just visit ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 59. But before we get into this episode, I want to take a few minutes to go over some of our sponsors of the show. First up is the Designer Protein. I just wanted to mention they have a, a brand new product out there, Keto Protein. Uh, has 14 grams of keto adaptogenic protein. Contains a blend of whey protein plus collagen protein. Uh, plus there's also uh, branched chain amino acid leucine added in there. So a nice little protein combination. Uh, there's only 2 grams of carbohydrates. So if you are on a ketogenic diet, it's a, a nice... Uh, protein fit uh, to help with that type of diet. And uh, there is seven grams of uh, MCTs, medium chain triglycerides uh, that they get from coconut fat and grass fed butter. So nice little combination there. Not that you have to be on a a keto diet to get benefits from this, uh, but it's a great tasting protein that specifically will help out if you're following that type of diet. Uh, Check out all of their proteins at designerprotein.com and make sure you use code SDPremier20 to get 20% off your order. Also sponsoring the show is Handmaster Plus. I keep a couple of these around the house um, and at work when I'm sitting by the computer and need to get a little grip work in. This is a a great way to train that grip and train the muscles of the hand and and forearms. Uh, Not only is it great for squeezing and, and developing that type of grip strength, but it also has bands that will help uh, strengthen opening your hand, which is going to just allow for better balance. Uh, Great for for rehab for certain injuries like tennis elbow uh, and other elbow-related or grip-related injuries, Uh, but just a nice tool to really work on that grip, uh, keep it in balance, and help with some of those those hanging obstacles that tend to give people a lot of issues. But uh, to check out their products, make sure you visit uh, www.handmasterplus.com. And our last sponsor that I want to bring up is specifically for graduating high school athletes or uh, if you're looking to transfer and you're in uh, college right now, uh, you should check out Umpqua Community College uh, specifically because they have the uh, nation's first OCR team. Uh, So this is an awesome opportunity. Athletes do get in-state tuition and uh, they also have scholarships available as well. So get your schooling done and you get to train uh, with uh, an SGX coach and an avid OCR racer, um, Andrea Bowden, who we've had on the show in uh, previous episodes. But this is just such a cool opportunity. Um, if you want to go to school in the Southern Oregon Oregon area and participate in OCR events, uh, this might be a, an awesome opportunity for you. So uh, just make sure you check out the link in the show notes uh, or visit uh, Umpqua Community College for more details. All right, in the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I want to talk about pain versus pain, source of pain. And this is a just a common thing that I, I, I've seen over and over again. And a lot of times when I see people post on uh, forums and Facebook groups and asking about injuries, uh, we just have to be careful with a couple things. Now, first off, if you have a significant injury that is 
um, keeping you away from racing, keeping you away from training and doing things that you want to do, my first advice is please go see somebody. Posting online is just not a great way to figure this out because nobody can answer that question. Even the best doctors, physical therapists, whatever out there aren't going to be able to help you unless they give you a real diagnosis and, and figure out what's going on. Um, I get it. I understand people want uh, you know help and, and, and other people are only trying to help, but you're really not going to get the answer that you need. You might get lucky every once in a while, but if you really want to get over these injuries, this is something you really have to to have is uh, somebody in your network that you can go see and get a proper diagnosis and uh, rehab, you know, injury uh, uh, or, or even surgery, you know, whatever it might be, just to get a, a better idea of what's what you're dealing with specifically. But uh, I just wanted to give you a little information on injuries and and pain and where that pain's coming from because we have uh, a symptom and we have a cause. And these aren't always the same thing. Sometimes they are. Just kind of depends what's what the specific instance instance is. So if you were to get into a car accident and you bang your knee on the dashboard during the accident, and now your knee's uh, swollen and there's inflammation and then there's pain right there, we know what caused it. Right, the car accident. Some your your knee hit the dashboard, and that was clear what happened there. So the pain and the the source are basically the same thing. Your knee hurts because you banged your knee. Um, But this usually isn't the case. Unless you've had trauma, you fell down, you twisted your ankle. um, And even some of those cases, we're not always sure why uh, they they even happened. But um, that's a very specific instance. But most of the time, you have kind of an injury that's just creeping up. And all of a sudden, your knee's bugging you, your shoulder's bugging you, your back's bugging you or whatever it might be and we quick are we're quick to point the finger at that joint so if your knee is bugging you you want to think or you start to think what's wrong with my knee you'll start to wonder what types of things i need to do to strengthen my knee and and the focus begins to um, be pointed at the wrong place right so the knee pain in these instances is actually the symptom Uh, but we don't necessarily know what the cause is yet and it could be something on um uh, away from the knee, like your ankle, your hip, or something along those lines. So we, we just want to be really clear when understanding this. So I always use the analogy that let's say you came to see me and you're like, my, my head is just killing me. You know, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I have some um, Advil or ibuprofen. Uh, let, let's take some of these and see if that helps with your, your headache. And then you go away and then you come back and you're like, you know what? My head is killing me. It, it really hurts. And I say, okay, like here's some more Advil or, or here's aspirin or, you know, we, we try a different medicine to help with your, with your pain and your headache. And you keep coming back telling me that there's pain, right? I find out that after you see me, you're going into the next room and just smashing your head against the wall. So uh, kind of a funny example, but you can see what I mean. So I'm treating the symptom. You tell me that your head hurts. So you have a headache and I'm giving you a common medication that might help with headaches, but you're just smashing your head on the wall. That's the source of the pain. So how do we get rid of your headaches? We get you from stop smashing your head on the wall, right? And I hopefully you can see how this relates to some of your injuries that you might be feeling when you're racing, when you're training. So if your knee is bugging you, and we just keep thinking about your knee, we're missing the big picture. We have to take a step back and find the cause. And I wish this was an easy thing that I can explain and say, every time your knee hurts, it's because of this. But obviously, this is where a trained eye and a good um, 
a therapist or somebody who can evaluate movement comes in handy because they can look at how you move and how joints are working and work, working well and not working well uh, to give you a, a better plan to help treat that pain. So you know you're on the right track when you work with a therapist and they take a holistic approach here and they look at the big picture. They look at, well, your knee is hurting because you do this when you squat or when you walk or, or whatever it might be. So we need to address those things while we manage your pain, right? I'm not saying you're going to totally ignore your knee. There might be some inflammation or some other things that need to be treated there. Um, but at the, but that's more of them just managing the pain. So you're not as uncomfortable. Uh, but instead, we're going to really focus our energy and our effort on treating the causes of that pain. So while I can't give you a, a, a clear answer for why you might be feeling pain, I at least want you to understand how the body works. And um, we have this balance of our joints, and this is referred to as the mobility stability approach uh, or interregional independence, where basically the body has the ability to do different things. Now, when we look at all of the joints of the body, they have primarily one main role. So they are designed for either mobility or stability. Now, sometimes when we say that, it gets confusing because all joints need to be mobile and all joints need to be stable, but we're looking at their primary role. So we'll define mobility as that joint can is supposed to move in, in three planes of motion, right? So if I look at your hip, right, that ball and socket joint, that joint should, should flex, it should extend, it should rotate, abduct, adduct, it, it moves all over the place. It has lots of movement there. But if we look at something like your lumbar spine, now the lumbar spine should move, it, it, it's going to flex, it's going to rotate, but that's not its primary um, uh, ability. It's designed to be more stable to transfer energy throughout the body. So as we look at each joint of the body, we start to notice a trend. When we look at the joints of the foot, we can say, all right, well, these are designed more for stability. Then we move up to the ankle and we see, well, these are more mobile joints and they, they should be moving um, very well. We keep moving up at the knee, right? Again, the knee moves, but pretty much just in a single plane. It's like a hinge and just swings back and forth. So really we wanna see more stability at the knee. Then we move up to the hip, like I mentioned, it's more mobile. The lumbar spine is gonna be more stable. The thoracic spine is going to be more mobile. The scapula thoracic spine is going to be more uh, stable. The lower cervical spine is going to, or I'm sorry, the glenohumeral joint or your shoulder joint is gonna be more mobile. Glenohumeral, or Sorry, your lower cervical spine is going to be more stable, and then your upper cervical spine is going to be more mobile. So I know that may not make a ton of sense, but hopefully as you were going along with me, you saw that they were alternating. We had a mobility joint stacked on a stability joint, stacked on a mobility joint, stability, and it just worked its way up the body. And we can do this for, for all the joints of the body. Now, when we look at when there's an issue like your knee or your back, Instead of looking at what's going on at that joint, I want you to start looking, well, what's going on in the joint surrounding it, right? And it, it's, again, not always easy to figure this out, but if you always have knee issues, well, let's look, what are the joints around the knee? So if we look below, we see there's the ankle. If we look above, we see the hip. Now, those are two joints that's supposed, that are supposed to be very mobile. And then you have the knee joint that's supposed to be very stable. Now, if your mobile joints, the hip and the ankle, can't move, your body's going to compensate. Your body doesn't care if you're tight or if you don't have the strength or whatever it might be. If you 
ask your body to do something, it's going to find a way to do it. And it's going to do it however it can manage it. And that's not always a good thing because we'll compensate to make up for it. So if you go to squat down and your hips don't move very well and your ankles don't move very well, we're going to see a lot of pressure and movement at the knee that we shouldn't see. So now your knees are bugging you. Now, if you just focus on your knees and you're trying to do all these things to fix your knees and never pay attention to your ankle or your hips, you're just going to be going in circles and you're not going to have much success in, in really helping that pain and getting better movement quality. So now as you have an issue at one of these joints, we have to start looking at other places that are causing these issues. And so knees is a popular one, which is why I wanted to pick that. So if you notice that you have knee issues, whether it's running, jumping, squatting, lunging, whatever it might be, Let's start looking at your hips. Let's start looking at your ankles. Do they move appropriately? If you're like, no, I'm, I'm pretty tight. Like, I just know my hips don't move. Now, there's lots of reasons why you might be tight, and I, I wish I can explain all of that, but let's at least start with some, some mobility drills and really work on opening up those hips, freeing up some movement in the ankles, and then retraining the movement or squat now that you have this new movement in, in these joints. So this is a complicated process and it's never as simple as, as, hey, just do these exercises and it's gonna fix everything. It's no, really understanding why you're having this pain in the first place, now addressing that if it's a mobility reason or maybe it's a stability reason, you're, you're not stable enough in one area or it's a combination. So there's lots of different issues here. So I might've just opened up a whole can of worms or confused you even more, but I at least want you to have the information there that when there's an issue, stop looking at that one joint. And if it hurts and the more you, you know, if your knee hurts and you just start doing more and more knee exercises, that's probably going to piss it off even more. Now it's inflamed. Now it hurts even more. But what if you give the knee a break, take, take a rest, don't do the exercises that are bothering your knee, and instead really focus on training your hips, really focus on working your ankles. Now that you have a better opportunity for the knee to do its job, you can try going back to some of those movements, improving the quality of it. And you might notice that, hey, my knee's not bugging me as much anymore, and I'm starting to see some progress here. So things to consider, uh, if you got nothing else out of this, just remember, don't blame where you feel the pain. Just remember, that is the symptom. Our job is to find the cause, and it's a little bit of uh, trial and error and exploring what could potentially cause some of those issues. But like I mentioned, if you have... Um, anyone in your network that you can go see to help diagnose some of these issues, I, I highly recommend it. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, if you can find somebody that is uh, SF, SFMA or Selective Functional Movement Assessment certified, uh, I just uh, believe in that system and I think it's a great way to help diagnose what's going on. So I'll put a link in the uh, show notes so you can find somebody around you that could help diagnose your, your movement patterns a little bit better. Okay, it's time for our research review, and I came across an awesome study on recovery, and if you've listened to this podcast previously, you know how excited I get about uh, research on recovery, and this one comes from the High Altitude Exercise Physiology Program at Western State Colorado University, and they wanted to look specifically at the differences between active and passive recovery. So if you haven't heard those terms before, basically active recovery would be you're doing something during your rest, where passive would be just kind of sitting and resting. Active might be a walk or a slow jog or just something active um, during your, your rest periods. So they had three purposes of the study. Uh, first, they wanted to look at active versus passive recovery in terms of endurance performance. Next, they wanted to look at 
the same thing, active versus passive recovery in terms of uh, power. And then they wanted to look at different intensities of active recovery to see if they would uh, uh, benefit uh, versus one versus the other. So the first part of the study, they had participants exercise at a, a fairly high intensity. Uh, then they split them into two groups. One group would do 15 minutes of active recovery, which was about 50% of their VO2 max, so like a slow jog or walk. And uh, then they would rest after that for about 45 minutes, while the other group would uh, just rest for 60 minutes. So they both had an hour between time trials, one just included 15 minutes of active recovery. Uh, after that hour, they repeated the, um, the uh, endurance test again uh, to measure their, their performance. Uh, in the second part of the study, they wanted to look at anaerobic power. So they performed the Wingate test, which the Wingate test, if you've never seen it or done it, is a, a brutal a sprint typically done on a bike where you're just going uh, all out. And it's a, a great measurement for anaerobic power. Uh, so they had to do two bouts of this kind of similar setup and one performed 15 minutes of active recovery while the other performed passive recovery and then they retested for anaerobic power. And in the third portion of the study, they did a, a max endurance test and then they wanted to compare one of three different active recoveries. Uh, so these were the three pieces. Let's go over some of the results. So in the first part, looking at endurance performance, they found that the group that did that 15 minutes of active recovery actually saw less of a decrease in performance. The, the passive recovery group saw a decrease of 52 seconds on average, so almost a minute slower in time, where the active recovery only saw about an 18 second decrease on average. So pretty substantial difference there um, when just adding that 15 minutes of active recovery. Uh, in the power uh, study, they saw pretty much a similar thing. There was a, a 0.8 decrease versus a 5.7 decrease in the active versus the power, or I'm sorry, the active versus the passive recovery. And in the uh, different intensities, they found that of the three intensity recovery they tested, the, the lower t intensity, about 70% of VO2 max ended up being the most uh, beneficial for uh, enhancing recovery. So um, what that basically is telling us is that recovery, while it happens if you just rest, it we can be more efficient at it. And if you're paying attention to how you rest, how you recover, you can actually have a better performance in your next exercise bout. Now these look specifically at um, two trials that occurred on the same day. So this might be something like interval training. Uh, so you're doing a hard exercise bout, then you can just lay on the floor and rest and then try and hit it hard again, uh, which you, you can do that. Um, but as the study is showing, that might not be the most effective way. So instead, when you are recovering in between uh, sprints or intervals, whatever it might be, adding some type of active recovery is going to better set you up for the next rep. So that might be a walk, uh, a slow jog, just something low intensity. And there's lots of uh, other studies to back this up, and there's lots of physiological reasons for this, but we, we know that when you exercise and you when you exercise really hard, some byproducts start to build up, things like lactate and hydrogen ions and other things that in small amounts really aren't a big deal because you can handle them. But as they start to accumulate, it's going to interfere with your performance. So you're not gonna be able to run as hard, push as hard, lift as heavy, things like that. But you can actually speed up how fast your body can handle and get rid of some of these different 
byproducts. And the easiest way to do this is with some type of active recovery. So like I mentioned, a walk or a slow jog. So really simple thing that you can do to help speed up your recovery. And uh, really, I, I like bringing up studies like this and, and talk about this because I think recovery just gets skipped over and we don't talk a lot about it a whole lot. And one of my goals is to really stress the importance of uh, being as efficient as possible because uh, when I want to work hard, I want to work as hard as possible and I want to set myself up. So if that's recovering better between exercise bouts, uh, is it could be between days, uh, you know, doing a cool down, like how many people will just hit a hard workout and then just walk away and go back to their desk or sit down on the couch or whatever it might be, having a proper cool down to help clear some of these byproducts from exercise is going to be extremely important. So uh, some of my biggest tips, if you aren't currently doing them after a workout, is do a little bit of foam rolling, do a little bit of light jogging, walking, uh, anything to just help keep the body moving, keep the blood pumping. Um, one thing that doesn't often get talked about is you know just getting the blood moving around your body better. When when our heart pumps, it pumps blood out of the heart to the body to you know get oxygen to the muscles that need it and, and other nutrients and things like that. Now, we don't have a second heart that's going to push all of those uh, waste products back to the heart to get to the lungs to get out of the body. Uh, instead, we actually rely heavily on muscle contractions. So just you walking or running, you, your muscles have to contract. And when it does that, it starts to squeeze uh, through the veins to help push the blood back to the heart, especially in the lower body. You know, if we're standing up the whole time, it's a lot, gravity's pulling everything down. So it's a lot harder for that blood to get back to the heart. So uh, doing things like uh, jogging and like I mentioned, foam rolling, uh, just, you know, getting that circulation going is a great way to finish off a workout to help recover. So you can hit another workout sooner and hit it a little bit harder because you're going to be properly recovered now. Uh, so hopefully this helps give you some thoughts on what you can do in between intervals, but also what you can do in between uh, hard exercise workouts. All right, what's everybody? As I said in the intro, I have a very special guest on our interview today. What? I think uh, the saying goes something like, behind every great woman is a man admiring the view. And I'm that man today. <laughs> and I have the very yes. lovely and talented Mrs. Emily Diebler. How are you doing today? I'm fine. <laughs> Awkward. So we just finished the Vegas Spartan Sprint, and we are on the long drive back to San Diego. So similar to last year, I figured we're going to kill some time and do a little interview. You get to join our crazy conversations that we have <laughs> on, on the road, and we get a couple hours to ourselves. So how are you doing today? I'm a little hungover. A little hungover. I, I agree. Yeah. It was a little bit of a fun night last night. It, but. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> so I know you are very uncomfortable doing this. I don't like it at all. <laughs> and I'm going to make you do this anyway. <laughs> and this is going to be a good a good talk we're going to have. We'll start with some easy ones to get you going. It's like marriage therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we start with what's your what's my best quality you think <laughs> you don't have to answer that so let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the race what were your overall thoughts um i like that venue typically um i think this is our third third time to do it we typically do the super 
Um, I was a little disappointed that they had swapped the days. I don't, you know, I don't pay attention or read why or whatever. I don't really pay attention to anything that has to do with the races. I just go. Um, you know, I thought it was nice that they gave us the heads up that it was going to be muddy. Um, it was not at all as muddy as I anticipated. Um, but just having that, you know, little heads up that it was kind of going to be a funky, messy place was good. Um, I like how they switch the starts, the, like the where you take off from, you know, each year. So it's always not the same course. It, it's not the same start line. It, was, it started similar to the way it did two years ago. Uh, but again, that was a super distance, not the sprint. Um, you know, we found out that there was a lot of flooding, so they had to kind of change the course last minute from what was sent out earlier in the week. But it overall, it's a it's a good course. It's challenging. Um, the sand is is an you know is always a challenge. But the fact that it had been a little rainy and muddy, um, I think it was actually a little bit easier because the sand was a little bit more packed. Uh, the mud and the dirt was obviously a little bit harder because that was all squishy and gross but um you know the hills were the hills which are are tough but it was it was good it was a really hard bucket carry yeah that was you know i think we've been um catching a break with some of the bucket sandbag carries that they've been pretty pretty short flat but this one was a a little tricky where it was uphill and kind of looked like you were coming right back and then uh, made you go down the hill back up it again so definitely one of the harder ones that we've done yeah and it's that's hard I, you see so many people and so many people have different methods of carrying the bucket um you know they're they're definitely getting more strict with not letting people carry it you know up on their shoulders which you see everybody trying to do and and people it's nice when people help each other out and warn each other like hey you got to get you know your bucket down and stuff but i still see so many people carrying it with their fingers under the bucket that I want to tell them, you know, you got to rest your hands, get it up high and, and pull it apart and, and use those lats and do all that. But you, you, I don't know, whatever. Everybody does their own thing. I, I heard a lot of people towards the end of the race just saying how their forearms were dead from that bucket carry, um, you know, and then going straight. I think it was the rope was like right after it that they couldn't grip the rope to get up because of the bucket. And that to, to me, if you're, if you're, holding it more efficiently and pulling that bucket apart and not using your fingers and your hands, you're going to have a better chance later on in the race. Yeah. And I think, you know, we could do a ton of stuff just talking about the, the bucket, but you know, you bring up some good points there. And I think a lot of people, the two areas they complain about with the bucket carry are their, their grip because their fingers are underneath and it's just, you know, just too much to, to carry it that long. And then, um, number two is their back that their back is hurting now some of them this one was long and I'll it was like my back started fa to fatigue towards the end but it's also the end of the race so yeah. it you got to take that into consideration too but yeah definitely my low back started to fatigue a little bit towards the end but yeah but a good like indication that you're probably not being efficient with your bucket carry is if you feel your back like within the first minute or two it, something's off that either in your technique <laughs> with how you're training or with um, just your uh, technique carrying the, the bucket and, and not really keeping that core engaged and using, like you said, the lats and, and just using as much as you can. Like if anything, what bothers me with the bucket carry is my, my stomach because I'm pushing the bucket into yeah. my abdominal so hard that it's just uncomfortable, but my back feels totally fine. You know, my legs might get tired, but um, 
yeah, like you said, when the rope or something or a rig is right after that, you know, you sometimes you just don't don't have a chance with it. But yeah, I think that's just something we, you know, it's stuff that we've practiced a little bit. That I don't feel my forearms at all. My my forearms are never tired. My lats and my 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 low back fatigue towards the end, and then my adductors are just go they go nuts. But yeah, and, I'm just know, a weirdo. You mentioned you know just something I kind of want to bring up again if for those listening that didn't do this race um uh, it's something I've never I, I don't believe I've ever seen before where they had to change the race right that day or the day before because of the weather where they said the um you know there's supposed to be kind of like a river run out there and they just said it was just too flooded too deep that we couldn't do that so they had to cut that out yeah you know they said the barbed wire just went downstream with it so they had to move the barbed wire. They still had it, but it was kind of jammed in between uh, two other obstacles. It was, yeah, it was super short. Um, and then the Atlas Carry got the Atlas Carry, they flooded said, out. Yeah, they just couldn't dig it out. So interesting that. And then they had to add a hurdle, um, <sighs> which was surprisingly high. And I saw a lot of people struggling with that because, you know, they just, again, they kind of threw it in between another obstacle last yeah. minute. So um, just interesting. It just shows, you know... You, and, you know, I'll admit I was looking at the map and I always, whenever I see that, that seawall, it gets in my head and I saw, okay, we're going to get in the river. because you're a baby. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get in the sand and do the bear crawl and then have to go right to the seawall. So we're just going to be caked in mud and, and dirt and it's going to make it a challenge. So I was worried about that, but then we, it didn't really even happen. So um, just have to sometimes get out of your own head with some of these things. But... Yeah, I, I agree. It was uh, I, I like that venue. It was, uh, you know, a uh, fast course, which is always nice. The hills were just kind of in one area, and, and that was it. Um, but one thing I, you know, I want to talk about with you that I think would be a good um, just topic with a lot of our listeners is just talking about, like, balance and kind of squeezing in all the stuff that we do. So you're a, a wife, a mom, a business owner a lot of things going on but you know I think we're both busy but we also have health of a priority our family priority so we I think we do a pretty good job with with balancing it all in so I figured we could take a few minutes and kind of talk about some of those areas that might help others out because we hear you know with clients, some of the clients we work with or people we talk to we do hear a lot of excuses that you know I don't have time I can't do this and it's really uh, you know, we all can do it. It's just figuring out where it's going to fit and, and how you can fit it into your lifestyle. So what if we start with just exercise in general? Like it's, for a lot of people, it's really hard to get in all the workouts that we want to get in. If it's running, if it's lifting, whatever it might be. What are maybe some of your strategies that you personally use to get get your workouts in that at least, the, you know, you may not be able to get all of them in, but you get you get your workouts in? Um, well, I don't know. That's a tricky one because um, I for sure don't get in workouts as often as I like, but I set my goal so low that it's attainable. <laughs> um, so then I just have like the, ooh, yeah, you're awesome because you did it. Like, you know, oh, you know, if I can get two workouts in this week, cool. And then if I do two, awesome, I did it. And if I did more, it's like bonus. I just try to keep it doable. Um, you know, we... As far as, like, workouts and that kind of stuff, yeah, I like to have the structured ones, but having, you know, small kids, and I don't, sorry, I don't really listen to your podcast, I don't know how much you talk about us, um, you know, we don't have family, we don't have family close by, 
So it makes things a little bit more challenging to be able to take time, you know, to do the things that we want and not have the guilt of, I don't know if I said that the right way. Um, like I just, I feel bad all the time. Like, Oh, I need to get a sitter. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, you know, whatever. But then in the, you know, I've kind of gotten big on taking that time for myself because I know I will feel better in the long run if I just go and do it, even if it's like 10 or 15 minutes, you know, just a quick something. And we have it all set up in the garage, so it's convenient for us. But, you know, a lot of people don't have that. But even if you can just do, just do something to get that heart rate going, it makes you feel better. And like I was talking with a client the other, I don't know, a couple weeks ago or something, and she had sent me a text like, hey, should I, you know, jump on the treadmill or the elliptical or whatever. And I said, yeah, just do, you know, 20 minutes. And she's like, what's the point? And I said, well, you know, it's better than nothing. And then once you're there, 20 minutes in, if you've got the time to spare, it's like, well, I already did 20 minutes. I feel pretty good. I can go a little bit longer and that makes it easier. So again, if you just set your goal so low that it's easy and then you do more, it's better. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, you, you brought up a couple things that um, hopefully I can remember. And, and bring them all back. But setting the bar low, I think, is a really good idea. And I, I I, believe in both ends. I think, you know, shoot for the stars, and you should have those big, crazy goals that you may not hit it, but even if you get close, you would have, you know, blown an, a smaller goal out of the water. So I, I believe in that mentality, but I also believe in uh, any success counts. And when you're struggling, those are probably the more important ones because you're, you'll start to develop that winning mindset that I, I set this goal, I hit it, I'm going to build off that. Or I like blew it out of the water. You know, I, I was going to work out two days this week and I got five. Like, awesome. Right, right, right. Like, build off of that. So there's nothing wrong with setting easy goals. Don't make it so easy you don't have to try and do anything. Like, if you're already doing it, don't, don't set that goal. But just a little bit uh, more than what you're currently doing, that's a great place to start. Yeah, I don't know, like, if you talked about my goal this year. I hate running, um, which is weird that we run all these races. But, well, okay, I used to hate running. Um, it's gotten better, and I truly do like to be left alone for a little while. So um, that's good that I can go do that when I go for runs. But um, I set a goal this year because that's where I really struggle in the races. It's just the running part. Um, knock on wood. I mean, that's my that's where I have the hard time. So the start of the year when we were talking with the kids and setting goals for ourselves and everything, you know, I said, yeah, I'm going to run more, but you know, you got to be more specific. And, you know, so it was like, all right, 10 miles a week. And that's really for runners. That's like nothing, but that's a lot for me. And not, not just the distance, but also just to be able to have that time to go out and do that. Cause I'm not like super fast. So you know, it's, it's a couple hours worth of running, um, that I had to say, you know, I got to do this and, you know, I've done it, I think every week, but one, I think I was like two miles shy or something, but that just that little tiny goal, I mean, it wasn't for me, but it was, it was small enough that it was doable that I feel good about it. That, you know, each week on Saturday when I'm finishing logging in everything, cause my weeks go Sunday to Saturday, um, I've hit it, you know, just over 10 pretty much every week. There's just that one when life stuff happens, but whatever. Um, yeah, but it's, it's good to look back on it and see it because, you know, I knew it was going to be a challenge to run all these miles for the whole year, but, you know, it's happening. 
Yeah, and you know, you mentioned logging, and when you when you set that goal in, in January, I made a, a spreadsheet for you. you know, yeah. Nothing crazy, uh, literally an Excel spreadsheet just to track each week, and just made it add up your miles so you knew you know how many more miles you need, and just a really simple thing. And obviously, it's helping. You know, you've you know to your your horn a little bit. You've been doing well in these races and doing age group and have podiumed a couple times and just missed you know this past weekend, but. Um, it's it's really cool to see like you're not doing hardcore no, no, crazy workouts you're just being consistent yeah getting it in when you can get in and you know it's it's obviously paying off and you're you're doing you're doing really well and um, i don't hate it as much though yeah which is you know <laughs> you build off things you enjoy it's going to make it uh, more likely that you stick with it yeah um you know you, you said another thing to like we we own a gym so we have lots of equipment lots of space we can do all this stuff but you mentioned you know we work out in our garage most of the time and we just have a, a few things in there that we can use and you know people will like kind of laugh at that sometimes like why do you work out here when you have a gym but it's because there's less of an excuse like if we have to get in the car and drive not that it's super far but it takes time to get there time to get back phone rings and you have to answer it or talk to people and all of a sudden you just you couldn't get your workout in so I think making things as convenient as possible I'm not saying you have to build a gym in your garage but you can for super cheap you know a, a kettlebell and a jump rope and you know whatever it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of stuff to get started with it or yeah. body weight it's just um, you kind of mentioned that well it's only 20 minutes it doesn't count and I just the, I, I hate hearing that mentality because like, you know what's so magical about an hour Right, so it's uh, sure. Like if I have more time, I can get more things in. But as long as you're efficient, you can um, get a ton of, uh, of exercises in and, and be uh, super productive with it. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll link in the show notes for this episode. Um, I wrote an article for Spartan that I, I think I just saw get uh, sent out in their newsletter uh, about uh, managing your time and how to be more efficient with your workouts. So I'll, I'll find that link and, and put it in here. Um, one other thing I, I, you know, I'll, I'll bring up is, you know, we, I think we do a really good job supporting each other. And when we talk to clients and a lot of times... I support you. You support me. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Even though you don't listen to my podcast, I, I guess you, uh, I, I, you, you support me in other ways. I, but, yeah. <laughs> but I think this is important if you're in a relationship or your family, they, they need to be a part of this as well. Even if they don't work out, they could you know, care less, they don't have to get involved with this, but if they do, that's great too. You have something in common you can, you can do together, but I'm always shocked when we talk with clients and we'll hear like, well, my husband's not going to do this, or it's always harder because of him or her or whatever, and almost, you know, kind of blaming each other for not being able to get things. And if the person you're closest with in your life is not going to support something like this and help you out, like that's, I don't know, I, that, that's a problem that I think needs to be addressed. And I know we're not marriage counsels or counselors or anything like no. that, but it, I just think that's an important thing and it just getting more people involved. So, you know, you can say, hey, I, I really want to go on a run. Can you, can you watch the kids? Can you go do this or whatever? And I'm always happy to because now I know you owe me. <laughs> um, you, but, you owe me a lot, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay you back eventually. But um, I don't know. So I, I just think that I it's agree. an important part that anytime you have that support system in there, um, it's just going to help you be able to do these things. I agree. Yeah, and, and, and for us, you know, getting the kids involved with it too. And, like, they 
they know that we like to work out and be active. So when we, you know, it'd be the same with your spouse too, like letting them know why this is important to you. And, you know, we try, and and as the kids are getting older, they're definitely, we want to work out with you too, which is really fun. Um, I mean, it makes the workout last longer for (laughs) a variety of reasons, but it's still important for them to be a part of it. Just like, you know, whoever's in your life, your, your best friend, whoever it may be, um, you know, and making stuff that can be not as enjoyable because like it's not always fun to work out sometimes I don't want to do it but I put on my murder stuff so that I can get it done and like what I'm doing you know just you that probably (laughs) sounded super weird um so I I think we should clarify that (laughs) you're super into like ridiculous murder mystery podcasts and yeah like kind of sick and twisted things so it helps um, me run faster. Yeah. I listen yeah. to murder stories while I run, and that helps me go faster. So, yeah. But, yeah, you know, sorry. Um, working out is not always fun for everybody all the time. I, you know, I definitely like the way I feel afterwards, but it's a, it's a chore sometimes. And, and, you know, I think because we own the gym, we do feel like we kind of have to do it a little bit more, more than the want and the need sometimes, but, um, you know, making it enjoyable with whatever you got to do to include, uh, you know, bringing in family members with you, you know, as that support and just to keep it enjoyable and make it fun. It's more fun to laugh when you're working out than to not laugh. (laughs) So one thing I know you struggle with and you kind of, you mentioned it already, but you know, it's great when you can involve the kids and and I do like when they come out in the garage and they, they, you know, write a little workout on the board and they run around and, and do stuff. But you, you'll you mention a lot, and this is a, a common theme we hear with clients that we work with, is, you know, that guilty feeling that when you take time for yourself, you're taking away from others. And I don't know if you have a good way of dealing with that or advice, because I just think that's a common thing that some parents, and I think moms in particular, just have that super guilty feeling that if I take 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, um, I'm neglecting something else. Yeah, that's, I mean, I feel that all the time. Um, and I think that is just going to last forever. But again, I, I know that I'm going to feel better after the workout. So that's the big part of it. Like I, I, you know, if I'm getting snippy or, or short with the kids or you, or your husband, (laughs) That never happens. Um, I, you know, I, I need to do something for myself and, you know, mop the floor or whatever it may be. That That's all. It, you got to pick and choose. Um, I'm a big scheduler and um, organizer. But I don't know if that's the right word. But, you know, when the kids get up, I've got, you know, you know start a little bit of laundry, whatever it may be. Get them out to school, whatever it is. And then I've, I know when I'm going, I've gotten better with that this year, my workouts are scheduled, even if it's just for 20, 30 minutes, this is the time. And, you know, I'll have the dishwasher run in and the laundry going at the same time. So there's still other things being taken care of while I go out and do that quick workout. Um, so that's, that's helpful. So I don't feel bad because there's still other productive things being done, you know, starting dinner and you know while the 
whatever's baking, go you know out really quick in the backyard and, and do a quick workout, or maybe you're in the garage again. Um, so just trying to be the most efficient with getting things planned ahead of time of when I'm going to do things, so that I have that time for myself. Yeah, and I you know I. I... I try and like think of it as I, I'm going to take this time for me. I'm going to get this workout in, but I need to make sure what do I have planned for the kids later? So, you know, are we going to, or, or before that, like, all right, I want to do workout this afternoon. So me and Davis, our son, like we're going to play baseball for a little bit, or we're going to play a game, board game, whatever it might be. And then at least I am making sure that I am not, because you could neglect other things right if you just are so involved with your workout and and all that and totally ignore everything else so you know it's there's no such thing as perfect balance but at least um being aware of you know if you're kind of leaning one way a little bit too often how to make up for that yeah and like like with for the kids like you said you know making sure we're spending time with them books homework whatever it may be a game but then we don't let them play with like ipads and tvs a ton but they know that, hey, we're going to go work out, come out with us for a little bit. But they also know that, like that's their time. They get 20, 30 minutes or whatever to play the video game or the iPad or the cartoons or whatever that they want. So that's their kind of their balanced piece of it, too. Yeah. And then they get a little of their time, too. And, yeah. You know. So um, to, I thought it would be kind of fun to finish up. Uh, so your Instagram name is 20 Minute Mama. Yeah. And kind of with this whole idea of there's lots of stuff we can do that doesn't require a lot of time. So, you know, we're obviously focusing on workouts, but, you know, making those little moments for the kids. And, um, you know, you do like the fun breakfast in the morning and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll focus on the workouts since that's kind of the theme of this podcast. But what are maybe your top three or two workouts like it could be like a specific workout that you will do if you have like a 10 20 minute window or maybe like style of, yeah. of workout that you like to um, do ugh. well running that's for sure I mean right now because that's been what I've been focusing on so much um I'd like to get like, so when the, you say running is it like how far can I go in 20 minutes is it just I need to be running for 20 um, minutes I'll do both stopping? um we have that kind of like busted up treadmill in the garage and so I'll just go for 20 minutes you know at st- like a steady pace um you know and I'll play around with the speed so I'll do some intervals with it sometimes you know maybe a minute on a minute off or just you know run as fast as I can and then slow down a little bit you know all all the varieties of that um you know sometimes I'll just put it on that big incline and, and hike walk it as fast as I can for you know 20 minutes um, I'll do different things with like, uh, you know, I'll pick three or four exercises and as many times as I can go through it in 20 minutes. So it might be like 50 jump ropes, uh, 20 swings, 10 push ups, or, you know, so I don't know, different stuff like that. Um, I know you're going to ask me on the spot. I have like a list of them that I just go through because I don't like to think about it. Um, <laughs> That's the whole point of this is to put you on the spot. Well, how about I give one, and if you think of one, my my go-to... So, I'm on the road quite a bit traveling with, with yeah. presenting and, and all that stuff. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> I'm giving you time with the kids that you always want, I know. 
but <laughs> so I don't have you know again a lot of time sometimes you know we're, we have dinner meetings or I, I'm just in and out of the city real quick and I can't I can't like have an hour to work out but I'm like I, I can do 20 minutes so my go-to I do um, escalated escalating density training where it's basically time supersets so um, I might spend like a maybe five to ten minutes on my warm-up whatever that is for that day you know it might be some foam rolling it might be some corrective exercises some mobility stuff a combination of each but I'll just allow myself like five to ten minutes set a timer so I don't let it go go for too long um, and then I do three supersets really simple I'm gonna pick six exercises uh, I, li- I like to do non-competing because you can move a little bit faster so they're not you're not getting as, as tired with doing one than the next so like an upper lower superset works perfectly um, you'll set a timer so I'll pick two so my first I'll pick the big movement pattern so maybe my first round is going to be um, so I'm in a hotel gym probably so maybe I'm gonna do like goblets like dumbbell goblet squats that's and, what I would have said <laughs> <laughs> and um, like a, some kind of row so let's just say a dumbbell one arm row I know you can pretty much do that in any hotel gym so I'm gonna do probably about five reps um, using probably like a 10 rep max like so a weight that I would normally do 10 reps but I'm only gonna do five so this isn't like max effort and then set a timer five minutes and I just go five squats five rows five squats five rows and I see how many rounds I can complete in that five minutes so it's not max weight so you're gonna move fast the first few rounds aren't going to be that hard but you know five minutes doesn't sound like a long time but when you're moving non-stop that gets pretty fatiguing Uh, then I'll take a I, I try and stick to about a minute, so once my five minutes is up, I'll take a minute rest, maybe two, depending on how tough it was. I move on to my next one. Maybe I'll do some type of uh, deadlift and push-up, and then I'll do five deadlifts, five push-ups, five deadlifts, back and forth, boom, five minutes, and then uh, rest a minute or two, move on to my last superset, and maybe I'll do some kind of lunge and a core exercise, and and that's it. So five minutes times three so that's 15 minutes if I did a five minute warm-up that's that's 20 minutes and then just a few minutes for my rest in between supersets so you know you're looking at like 25 you know for sure less than a 30 minute workout and that's kind of my go-to super quick still gonna get you're gonna feel tired um, and like you did something even in a, in a short period of time yeah two exercises for me is just boring so I always do more <laughs> plus I just feel like if I've only, that, if that's you, that's fine. Um, I just, I usually stick to like, probably like four exercises and I'll go through that like as many times as I can. And probably my, the ones that I do the most are like, uh, lunch, what is like step, step jumps on the bench. Um, I usually do rows or something just because I get like, I don't know, kids, like, I feel like I'm always closed over. So I always want to do stuff to open up, pull back my shoulders. Um, I, I just really benefit from that. Um, and then I love deadlifts. That's my favorite exercise. Um, so usually a deadlift and then, you know, I like, I like to do tricep stuff too. Um, that's kind of like my go-to when I don't want to, if I don't have to think of anything, it's like, well, I'll do those four. Those are my four favorites. And again, it's, it's already a chore to go out there to do it sometimes. So if I'm doing exercises that I enjoy the most, that makes it more tolerable, I guess. I don't, I don't know. That sounds terrible, but... <laughs>
So if, if nothing else, what we learned from this podcast is you don't listen to my podcast and my <laughs> workouts are boring. <laughs> For you. <laughs> so. That's t- I, I'm sorry, you're going to have to redo this. <laughs> <laughs> no way, I'm not editing a single thing. Uh, so one last thing to finish up, because I know the few episodes you did listen to, what you I, like. just, I need to take a nap. <laughs> you always like when I ask what your favorite obstacle is. Um, my fate. I feel like a badass when I do the eight foot wall. The eight foot wall, yeah, yeah. with no uh, cramps. With no cramp, but I meant no without using, without the, using uh, the step. The yeah. Step, yeah. It, it just makes me feel tough. Yeah. Because um, I mean, who doesn't like it when somebody's like, "Wow, that was awesome." Everybody likes to hear that, like they did something cool. And pretty much any time I do, because I'm not tall, anytime I do that one, um, somebody will be like, that's that's pretty impressive. I'm like, oh, thanks. Yeah. I know I hear that a lot when I <laughs> when I go through obstacles. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> What's your least favorite obstacle? The bucket carry. The bucket carry, yeah. Yeah. This, yeah, like this one was a tough one too. Yeah, that, I just, I, I was huffing and puffing and it probably sounded like I was going to fall over. That was a tough one. Yeah. Um, I don't like the... What's the one where you hang upside down and you crawl on the rope? The uh, Traverse. Yeah, Caroline I don't like that traverse. one either. That yeah. one, we haven't done that uh, one yeah. that often, but... It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I will let you take a nap. We still have a little bit of a drive, okay. so I will do my best to stay awake. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed this, this interview and, and got a few tips or something out of it, or at least just got to laugh a little bit as we talk about stuff all right guys well, that's going to do it for this episode if you want to check out the show notes remember head on over to ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 59 uh, also if you're looking for a, a cool way to jump start your training uh, head on over to the website and you can get uh, a two-week jump start training plan that i'm actually giving away for free um, just send me your email and i will send that over to you and you have a, an awesome two-week plan to get you started, give you some ideas on uh, changing up and spicing up your your program. Uh, I do want to give special thanks to our sponsors. Thank you for supporting this podcast as well as our special guest, uh, my wife, Emily, for being a good sport. She really did not want to let me interview her, but I kind of forced her into it. But I do think we got a great, had a great conversation, hopefully got some good tips out of it. Uh, But that's it for now. We'll be back with another great episode. Until then, keep training smarter.